Hi, I'm Molly Moran, and this is the Table Wine Podcast. I am joined by my lovely and loved co-host, Andy Stoiber. Hi, Andy. Hello, as always. Joined as always. As always. Hi, Andy. Yes. Hello, Molly. Someday I'm going to do a solo pod, and I'm going to say it, and then I'm going to... I'll be crying somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, friend. Hello, hello. It is November. How is it already? Holiday season. It's the best season, though, so that's good. It is, but we missed Libra season. You, We just, we, we weren't together in we Libra season, missed. Andy, and I'm really sad about it, but how you doing? Which makes, <laughs> you know, if you think about the trajectory of the past few months in terms of uh, how things are going, Libra season, well, an exciting time of year, maybe wasn't the best season this year. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a like. lot of things came to a head for both of us in our lives. I think we were very busy and overwhelmed during Libra season, and and then sickness. I had like a two week stomach flu, and who like there's, I, I know a lot of people who are getting sick. So it was a tough Libra season. It was I'm like sorry. all the people over summer who thought sickness and COVID went away. I was like, oh no, the balance. Lots of <laughs> oh, sickness and is. COVID is still around. <laughs> just keep you all in check. Yeah. Yeah. How, any so a, a quick maybe highlight of recent Molly since there is a big event that occurred since last recording. There is. Um well, we're going to talk about this later when we talk about the wine because the last time we recorded, it was right before I went to France and <sighs> I kind of forget that I had this like magical two-week trip to France because it came before the big event of which we will speak later. Um But I had this, I just had this like really incredibly magical time. I had a week of uh, work tasting wine during harvest, which was a magical time. And then I had a week with my family in Paris and I got to take, you know, my 10 year old daughter around Paris and my husband has a degree in French. And so he got to just speak for us. Um, My funniest anecdote about that is that Connor has a really perfect French accent and he even Mm. does the like. Um, the French have different filler words, so they don't say um and uh. Like, they say, uh, poof, a buh. <laughs> they make these buh sounds, these, like, weird, they make really... Interesting. <laughs> Sorry to be judgy but- French people, but, like, they make different noises than we make. And Connor does it. Like, when he's speaking French, he uses the French filler words. So people ha- always think that he's French. And one of the places that we visited... <laughs> I cannot believe this. One of the places we visited... With the three of us were together, this woman and Connor were talking about the food that we were going to buy and whatever. And um, she said to him, it's so nice of you to take this American and her child around. Oh, oh. <laughs> Amazing. Like, we didn't the even highest compliment as a couple. <laughs> We've been together for more than I, we weren't together in my entire life. Um, I just think it's like so funny. But he got that like a couple of different times where people were like, oh, you're taking the, these American tourists around. Wow. I mean, good job, Connor, being able to blend in. That's the highest compliment if you go on vacation somewhere to just be part of the crew. Because that's, I was, I just want to blend into New York. Like, that is my, like, when I was in New York over the summer and people came up to me to ask for directions, (laughs) they were Dutch. It was like clearly, I was like, okay, at least they see us talking in American English. Like, okay, they, maybe they're from here, but. I'm like, oh, thank you for thinking I'm from New York or that I'm a local because I feel very flattered. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Molly, I want to know, did you have a favorite wine? Was there anything that was like, this is it? I want. 
Oh man, there were a lot of them. It was a kind of a bizarre experience where I had multiple meals where I wrote in in my journal at night, like, this is the best meal I've had. And then it was like the day later, like, no, 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 this is, or like, this wine is amazing. Right. So like, yes, yes, I definitely did. I think, but I will say the standout moment for me or like memory for me from a wine perspective was that I, I didn't know this, that in Champagne, when they make Champagne, they don't use the, um, first juice that they press like they start to press the oh. grapes and the juice that comes out they actually separate that and they put it together with the very last juice that they press out and they sell that to distilleries they don't Whoa. they don't use it for the wine so there's like the kind of the big middle part and that's what they use to make champagne so the very first place that we visited was uh Varis Lamandier in Champagne and it was during harvest, so they're pressing the grapes, and they were like, oh, come on up. And so we just like climbed this old rickety ladder and like sat on top of the press while the forklift came in and like dumped the grapes. And so we were like literally like watching the, the grapes getting pressed. And then they went down and got us the juice. And so oh. we got to drink like the actual freaking champagne juice while we watched the grapes get pressed. Which, what is that like for? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's like, um, Saying it's the best grape juice you've ever had is not, that doesn't even do it justice. It like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It's like, um, I don't know. It's like getting to drink summer. Like it's uh, like, uh, there aren't, there uh, really aren't words. I've been trying amazing. to find them for, you know, near on two months now and I still can't. So that's my, I mean, I had lots of delicious, amazing wine, but I think that that's something that'll stay with me. And follow-up question, when you say that the first and last presses are sold to distilleries, that juice then becomes... Like eau de vie? Brandy? Oh. Yeah. Those kinds of things? Cool. Mm -hmm. That's great. I think that's a great thing to have. And we can just have that thing. Right. Because we have some delicious wine that we can crack into. We do. Should we do it? Yes, we should do it. And we should also maybe say officially... This is our Thanksgiving episode. Oh, yes. <laughs> we'll be talking about Thanksgiving foods and wines that go with, with those foods because it's our happy, I mean, the best time of year to just celebrate eating and drinking. It is. I went back and listened to our Thanksgiving special from last year to prepare for today, yes. like just to like remind myself, like, what did we do? And I hope that our joy is coming through the microphones <laughs> this year as much as it was last year. I don't know. I feel like maybe we were a little more joyful last year. I feel like you and I maybe are coming through some rough times right now. Um, but Andy and I do. We love Thanksgiving so much um, on a personal level. And then at the mm -hmm. shop, it's like this super joyful time. Um, yeah. And it feels like it's in almost full swing. It's like medium swing. This week will be yeah. really when it is. But whenever we release this, you know, it'll be within a week of Thanksgiving. So we hope that maybe you listen to this while you cook. Yeah. While well, you're making some just, pie, just whatever. Drink. If you yeah, want to eat company while you're drinking. And now for our aperitif. A little something to wet your palate. I usually use this segment to talk about something interesting, give you some fun facts. But I really just want to say thank you to everybody out there. We moved our store at the beginning of October, which is the big thing that Andy and I are talking about in the intro. We never actually did pick up the thread again. So I wanted to acknowledge that we moved table wine a few blocks. We bought a building, spent 
uh, about a year <laughs> working on it, um, the greater part of 2022 renovating it. It has been a tremendously hard road. If you are a regular at the store or follow us on social media, you've seen some of my posts and I, I won't belabor it too much. Let's just say that it was very hard. And we opened our doors at the beginning of October and we have seen so many people, many of whom we knew from the old spot and so many folks who didn't know about us until we moved. So I just want to say thank you, whether you've been a customer since we first opened or you're a personal friend of mine or we've never met and you're just now hearing about Table Wine. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I will be toasting to all of you at my Thanksgiving table because you're making it all possible. So thank you. Cheers to you. Andy needs some wine. Let's get Andy some yes, wine. All right. Please. All right. Re- ready? It's time to. Yes. Pop the cork. <laughs> that was such a good noise. Oh, it was. Okay. And today our first beverage is white. It is. A white wine. <laughs> a white wine. So Andy and I, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about these wines in and of themselves a little bit, and then we're going to talk about sp- specific dishes that we kind of had in mind when we chose these wines. So this is, um, Andy didn't pick the wine. He just asked me for mm-hmm. a general category of thing, which was creamy Chardonnay. So <laughs> I picked kind of an unexpected creamy Chardonnay. So this is uh, Jean-Paul Brune Beaujolais Blanc. Yes. So I don't think Andy's had this. Oh, have you had this yet? No, I don't. I have not. I'm so excited. I That's why I picked it. I don't think I knew. I know. Chardonnay grew in Beaujolais. I know. Isn't that this awesome? Is very I know. Yes. Yes. I was like, I'm going to pick Beaujolais for the show, but it's not going to be what everybody thinks. So. Wow. <laughs> Great. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Okay. I'll talk while he, while he just. Glows. Elegant. Those damn French and their elegance just shining through. I know. So, <laughs> Jean Paul Brun, for those of you who don't know, is a long standing favorite. At Table Wine. We love him very, very much. This is the first time we've carried a white from him. It is organic and natural Chardonnay that is aged in stainless steel, but it's aged... Taste that. Right. <laughs> but it's aged on the lees for four months. Um, so it, that's what gives it this like creamy roundness without it being a butter bomb. So it is, as Andy asked for, creamy, but it's not buttery. Yes, which no shame to the buttery folks if you want the buttery. But this time of year, which is like creamy Chardonnay at this point in my life is not my go-to as Molly was my mentor in all things <laughs> wine. I inherited her proclivity for acid-driven, minerally whites. Mm-hmm. Uh, but tis the season for right. a nice creamy Chardonnay. Uh, so... It, it's delightful. Like I'm excited. Like I'm legitimately like excited for Thanksgiving and this season to indulge in creamy Chardonnay right? and things that other times of year during the summer I wouldn't go to as quickly. Yeah. And this definitely of all of the creamy shards I could have ever picked, this definitely has a lot of acid and minerals to it, um, yes. which I think is what makes it special. Yes. And, it does. you know, not, I don't know, just big and fat and flabby. Yeah. I mean... I'm just thinking of what oh yeah what comes to mind for the like the Carmenet Chardonnay big buttery Chardonnay and then there is those 
styles of French Chardonnay that don't resemble, I think, what a lot of Americans or what American style of Chardonnay often is. Um, but this is like a nice, happy medium. As you said, it's creamy, but it still has acid and minerals to it, uh, which makes it an ideal candidate for Thanksgiving, given there's a smorgasbord of food on the table. And so, well, I guess I won't give away what I'm thinking of, but I definitely think of carbs and creamy food, <laughs> creamy carbs. Right. And so it's nice to have a wine that can match that. But in this case, it's not overly indulgent by just being like more. It's not adding butter to the super buttery things. It's like creamy, but has the acidity to cut through, Yes, which is delightful. It is playing with that. Yeah. Jean-Paul is one of the people that I did get to visit on my trip. And like I said, I loved his wines for a long time. And so it was definitely like a fangirl moment for me getting to be there. And it's a small operation. It's not about like the fancy tasting room by any stretch. He is just a delightful, delightful man. He's like twinkly eyed and so great. And he poured us an absurd amount of wine because he makes a Gamay from all of the different crews in Beaujolais, meaning that he makes, at you know, like at bare minimum, like a dozen different mm. Gamays. And then he has all of these other fun projects. He makes some bubbles and whatever, rosé, and then this. So we had a really great visit on a super, super rainy day. And we just tasted an, a bounty of wine with him, which was lovely. If any of you follow us on Instagram, Jean-Paul is the person who had a shirtless person working the grape picker, if any of you remember that video. Oh. Uh, Check out my story highlights if you don't. (laughs) It's pretty amusing. A shirtless person is as provocative as we'll get. Oh, yeah. A shirtless man. (laughs) I was just trying to be gender neutral. That's all. No, no, I like it. Um, Amazing. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So I just always have clarifying questions. Please. To go back to something you said earlier, you said this is aged in stainless steel but on the lees. I don't know if we've talked about what that means before it's, and I can only half remember our discussion around this I have an idea of like a big thing and like paddles moving around the top and like sort of like cream like imagining a vat of milk and like cream rising and it being mixed around uh, but I love <laughs> maybe it. inaccurate you know what's really funny is when I said it and you didn't ask me I was like oh no <laughs> you didn't ask, you didn't like set me up to talk about it and <laughs> I was like Oh, okay. And then I just kept talking about other things. Um, so thanks, Andy, for circling yep. back to that thing that I know that some people might not know what that means. So after um, the yeast has done its job in fermenting, it falls to the bottom of the whatever vessel the wine is being aged in. And often with whites, then the leaves are filtered out so that the wine is as clean and crisp as possible. So like a Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand would not spend any time with that spent Mm -hmm. yeast. But there are other wines, uh, particularly Chardonnay, where wineries will choose to keep it without that yeast. And that's called, those are called the lees. That spent yeast is called the lees. And so it can be that it literally just sits in the vessel and the lees are just on the bottom and that actually does something like it does impart kind of a yeastiness a rounder uh, mouthfeel to the wine or you can have what Andy was talking about the the spinning cream thing was is the process that's called batonnage and that's the process of stirring the wine so knowing that Jean-Paul is a natural winemaker I don't know if he does batonnage it would probably be very very gentle and it might not even happen it might just literally be that like the yeast particles hang out with the 
wine. Amazing. Mm-hmm. This is super helpful. And just think recently, especially in my wine drinking, I've become more, I think, attuned or aware of if I like oak aging or stainless steel aging. And I think that's an, a not that difficult thing for most people to pick up on is when they're tasting wine, knowing how it's aged or what it's aged in. And you'll know like, oh, I like sta- like the stainless steel because it comes through for me in this. Like you yeah. can taste that stainless steel thing. And I, I don't mind that as much as like a really oaky aged thing. Not as much my fan. So like just another criteria when you're just at the wine shop trying to think what you want. Or talking to a wine professional, like, oh, I know I like stainless steel, or I know I like all the things, you know, yeah, helps out tremendously in what you bring home and it, whether you enjoy it. <laughs> we have a drop-in blind wine tasting coming up on Small Business Saturday. We do it every year. And the last time that we did a blind tasting a few months ago, I included an unoaked Chardonnay and apparently made everybody very grumpy and no one got the wines right because... I think so many folks in their mind, when they think of Chardonnay, if it doesn't taste like buttered popcorn and like oak chips, they don't think of it as Chardonnay. And I do think that that is a valid thing. And Mm -hmm. blind tasting is very hard, as Andy and I have done on previous episodes. So I'm not saying like, come on, guys, just get with it. But it is interesting how people have a benchmark in their mind of what Chardonnay is and like it, Mm -hmm. it would not be this. And so I think that this can be a this could be a really fun treat for people. Yes. And we're not here to yuck your yum. We'll never do that. Hello, um, it's fine. Speaking of oak aging and stainless steel aging, we have a red that I'm really curious to see what you think of before we before I t- tell you too much about it. Mm. I'm excited. Oh my gosh. Okay, here we go. So I'm not going to say anything, everybody, until Andy has tasted the wine. Other than it is a beautiful magenta color, I will say that. It is. It is. <laughs> Thanks for that validation. <laughs> That's all oh I can say. <laughs> Those are my tasting notes. Lip smacking. Mm. Mm-hmm. Do you? Oh, oh. Are you ready? Oh man, I'm a fan. I'm a big fan. Aren't you a big fan? Aren't we all big fans? So this is Rioja. Mm. Right? I wouldn't have I would not have guessed. I that. know. Never. I never. know. I know. So it's I, from Luberry in Rioja, Spain. And this is their what they call Orleggi. That's just like the name that they have for it. But this is their Coseca Rioja. And I know that Andy will just ask me the question, so I'll just answer it. <laughs> yep. So if, if What is Coseca? Andy? Coseca does it translates to mean vintage. But the way that the Rioja classification system works, they have aging requirements for things from Crianza through Ground Reserva. Coseca is the like pre-Crianza classification. There are no there are no rules about what is Coseca. Um, the idea is that usually they are aged minimally, so like six to twelve months kind of thing. They can mm-hmm. be aged in oak; they don't have to be. So, in the case of this specific wine. It is not aged in oak. It's in stainless steel for just a couple of months. It undergoes carbonic maceration. Oh, my gosh. So it's like a way fruity, lighter side of Tempranillo than you've ever had before. I think this wine is so fun. I haven't had it in a while, and I'm super excited about it. 
Yeah, this, I feel like I had it years ago and I remember I identified Koseika Riojas as these very different than uh, Crianzas, where there is a favorite Crianza at the shop that I always identified as like a leather armchair and tweed jacket and felt dusty and I love that. And this is that, it's so different. It's like a cool distant relative where maybe you'd see some of the similar features, but like, oh, this is... Not an old professor in a tweed jacket. This is like a cool punk that you want to hang out with. Yeah. In a totally different fashion. Um, like the minerals coming through make me so happy. Yeah. It has like a graveliness to it yeah. that I was surprised by, but also that the purity of fruit, as we talked about mm-hmm. during natural wine season, mm-hmm. but this isn't natural wine, but it has like a. But it is a, organic. A clen- a, and they're. Yeah. I mean, they're pretty. Okay, good. Yeah, that is yeah, good yeah. to know. Like, there's a clarity of the fruit in this that is really nice. Yeah. Um, that if you're like, yeah, I'm thinking if you're a Gamay drinker or certain Pinot Noirs, this would be a great place to come to. Yeah. I'm and that's why I picked it. Because I feel like, you know, I we've been in business for seven years almost. And... I still think Gamay is like the best thing with Thanksgiving. Like that it doesn't <laughs> yes. become untrue at some point just because I say it every year. But I was like, but I, I don't necessarily want to talk about Gamay every year, right? Or mm-hmm. like I don't necessarily want to talk about Pinot Noir. And the Crianza Rioja that Andy was talking about, the leather armchair, is the Piscina. Mm-hmm. You can say it. Yes, it's all yeah. good. <laughs> and that's super delicious with Thanksgiving for like a totally different reason. And so I picked this one because I was like, I mean, you could really like have this... And also, you know, the Piscina and be like, it's the same oh, grape. Yeah. Like, look how yes. freaking cool this is. These wines yes. are so different, right? Quick win to be the wine expert at your Thanksgiving table. <laughs> Two Riojas blow everyone's mind. Right? The power of aging in oak, as Andy just said. It was beautiful. Yes. Well yes. done, sir. He literally, guys, I poured him the wine in mason jars. He had no idea what the wines were. So he just knew. We were just vibing. It's good. <laughs> It's so good. I mean, this is so fun. Good. It's so fun to drink wine in the middle of the afternoon. <laughs> See? <laughs> Told you. I'm trying to think more what else. This reminds me, and maybe it's just I have a misremembery, of the Rocamora. Ooh. And I feel like that. That's that Negro Amaro? What, yeah. Yes. That's what I'm reminded of. But I feel like that, I think it's the gravel. It's the gravel that, and the fresh fruit, right? Because that's what right? was so cool about that wine. Right? So that's what I'm remembering. And I haven't had that wine in years, but that. For me with wine, it's like I remember the taste memory is there, and that's what's fun. Yeah, remember things from years ago. Can't test it because I don't have that wine. But no, I know. (laughs) And even if we got it, it would might not be the same as when we all had it back then. But I agree with you. I liked the analogy of this being the cool punk cousin to the professor. You know, like in my mind, for some reason, I was like, like California, like (laughs) yeah, no, you know what I mean. It's like the California to the Pasinas upper Midwest. You know, <laughs> like this doesn't have to be cozy. That's all I mean. You know what I mean? Like yes, the piscina is yes, very cozy. True. It's very fireplace and like cuddle up with a sweater. And this is very yes. like, let's, you know, maybe we have a campfire on the beach, but we don't really need to. I just like, I definitely have just told people where I'm like, oh, you have California vibes. And people have, I'm just like imagining something like, oh, he has very upper Midwest vibes. That's what I'm like. Probably. Maybe that is accurate. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. But yes, let's talk about our food for Thanksgiving while we decant. Let's decant, Andy. Yes. So I picked a creamy Chardonnay because you asked me to. 
to mm-hmm. pair to talk about certain dishes. So what's on your Thanksgiving menu? What do you have in mind there, friend? Okay. So I big note is I grew up as a vegetarian or pescatarian. Grew up as a pescatarian vegetarian now but so that meant thanksgiving was a weird time of year where like we went to a big family thing and had the turkey and all those things and i assumed i don't know if people told me but that like i thought stuffing had meat in it and i just felt like everything had meat in it so all i'd eat at thanksgiving was like mashed potatoes and corn which honestly pretty happy with a lot of time but it was kind of like not the most happy time Mm -hmm. until i learned when i was like 14 that stuffing is not always meaty and that there's other foods and i've and now that we, I cook, I've now been cooking Thanksgiving meals. Mm. Um, what I go to and what I am just thinking about as we approach Thanksgiving is all of the carbs and the creamy carbs and leek bread pudding. Oh, like, that's God. what I wanted to tell you. I was like, I want to make leek bread pudding. And I was like, do people think I'm crazy because I also will have stuffing? Because I think there's oh. this notion of like, you can only have one bread based product. But I'm like, no, I want leek pudding and I want at least one other form of stuffing Love. and I want mashed potatoes and there will be a sweet potato. <laughs> like it is yeah. all about carbs and starches. And so I went with, I wanted a creamy Chardonnay because as I was explaining earlier, the creaminess is congruent to the flavors that I'm most excited about. Potatoes and creamy bread pudding. Um, but you picked out a perfect Chardonnay because this has those qualities, the, that acid and those minerals that make it complementary to the flavors yeah. at the same time, might I say, right? Like we like to say con- congruent and complementary are the two ways. And so this wine, the Chardonnay in particular, I think is both of those things. When I'm imagining eating creamy carbs, just bread soaked in cream, <laughs> I would be happy <laughs> With this Chardonnay so as glad. like elevating and just like something to cut through some of that yeah, cream. Cleanse as the I palate a little bit, but not like be so, so incongruous yes. that it makes your mouth unhappy. Yes. And I, because I know car- cranberries are such a big part of Thanksgiving cranberry sauce, which I'm not, I've never been into, though I want to try this year to make a different cranberry dish, I believe. Oh, well, maybe I'm wrong. The New York Times cooking just came out with a whole Thanksgiving, vegetarian Thanksgiving menu for the first time. Oh, nice. And so this year I'm hoping to make as many things from that menu as possible, which again, it's like creamy carbs, because that is what vegetarians yeah. have to celebrate around this time um but this wine the red wine the rioja here to me is like the best of cranberry world well i don't actually have to eat cranberries so i get the like i imagine drinking this happily with everything i'm eating because so many things are designed to go with cranberries and this wine gives me the cranberry vibe close enough (laughs) um Okay, so I think it's ironic. Last year we did Thanksgiving and we did not have a red wine. So this year oh. I went out of my way to include a red wine. And now it's Thanksgiving and we're not talking about turkey because I'm also choosing not to talk about turkey. <laughs> so whereas Andy's experience as a vegetarian leads to like creamy carbs, mine leads to like a bounty of vegetables. And I... I eat vegetables too, Molly. I'm just most excited about the carbs. It's fair. I'm not... It's pleasant shaming. Jeez. (laughs) And actually, I'm not a vegetarian, for the record. There's plenty of meat on my table, but I always have, like, a couple of different bitter elements on Mm. my Thanksgiving table. My daughter 
has a, kind of an irrational love of Brussels sprouts, which I oh. love that she loves them so much. And so this year we're doing roasted Brussels sprouts with roasted apples and pomegranate. Oh. And then I'm doing a lentil salad with roasted root veggies and radicchio and this like tangerine dressing. So that is also from the New York Times in case you wanted like, you know, a vegetarian mm-hmm. something that wasn't just <laughs> That's bread. not just wasn't bread just bread. Um, <laughs> so when I was thinking about those kind of bitter things, because there will always be Brussels sprouts on my table, there might be like escarole or radicchio or something like that. I was thinking of a, a fruit forward red, which is why I ended up picking the Rioja. And then as you were talking, I was like, oh, right, totally. It totally tastes like cranberry. Like there's always that like that obvious thing too mm-hmm. um and it pairs really well something fruit forward like that does pair well with the sweet potatoes or any other like sweet or elements that you have on your mm-hmm. table i don't really lean into the sweetness of sweet potatoes personally yes what is so what is do you have a main is there a, a substitute for the turkey as the prize no there will be turkey course Oh, there will be turkey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. There are, we're having, I think, 13 people and everybody eats everything. 13 omnivores. Amazing. So there will be turkey. Okay. Great. Yeah. Great for you. Thank Good you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm very pleased. But turkey is really neutral. Like when it comes to mm-hmm. pairing, like the, turkey's not what you have to plan around. I think that's one of the things that at the shop, I think often surprises customers when we ask them, like, is, are there any like notable flavor profiles or anything like that and they're like well we are having a turkey and you're like yeah okay like that doesn't taste i mean honestly it doesn't really taste Mm -hmm. like much you know is it herby is it sweet is Mm -hmm. it spicy and then like what are all the other things on your table because those matter like so much more than this pretty like neutral protein so yeah so i picked the rioja in case you are like me and you like all of the cruciferous vegetables and bitter greens and all that kind of stuff the fruit forward red is an unexpected pairing with it I honestly forgot about Brussels sprouts until you said that now because I love Brussels sprouts too and that's delightful. Mm-hmm. This is what I want to say is that <laughs> years past, I have gotten extremely attentive to trying to match each wine with each course. Oh, yeah. Um, and I've found that's really difficult because the reality is most people drinking at Thanksgiving are just really happy to be drinking something that they like. And if once that they have something in their glass, you're like, oh, this is good. They're probably going to drink that. Even if you're like, well, no, now you're moving on to a new course. Here's the new wine. They're going to be like, uh, no. And so both of these wines are just such winners that I like, if you're having a large gathering and you're like, okay, I need to have a dozen bottles of wine. Don't go crazy. Like trying to like stress over each wine matching the food, like going with solid choices in wine and less options probably make people happier. That's. What I'm learning. It's like, no, here are two great wines that you will enjoy. And so as you go, like, as you're in shops looking for wine, think about what you want to be drinking, what your guests want to be drinking. Because I know there's always an incentive of like, oh, well, here's what we're making. What goes well with that? But if you're not, you know, into the particular wine that actually pairs perfectly with what you're cooking, it's going to be a less successful meal. Yeah. And that's why I think that's why I picked these two wines. Like, yes, I we wanted to talk about specific you know, dishes that we were excited about, but they are definitely like for the table. And the two pieces of advice that I have, one came out recently of customers who are having 18 people for a Friendsgiving Mm. and they had not specified that they wanted multiples of the same wine. But I was like, Mm -hmm. hey, you want at least, at least pairs. 
Yeah. I said, you know, if you have one bottle of wine for 18 people, first of all, that's going to stay in this corner and no one else is going to get it, you know? And it's, I, I think it's a little bit more fun at the table to kind of have everybody be drinking the same thing or, you know, kind mm-hmm. of a couple of the same things where you get to kind of, you know, like, oh yeah, this is pretty tasty. This is fun or whatever, like, and not having it be 12 different wines. So there's definitely that part of it. Right. And I think like Andy was saying, like not fussing over too much about the pairing yeah. perspective. And then the thing I will say, I think I mentioned this last year. I feel like I mentioned it all the time is that like, I do like to have an opening drink and then wine for the meal and then something with dessert. But that's as like court quote unquote, like coursed out as I get like, so I'll have like a cocktail or kind of thing for when people get yeah. there. And then there's just wine with dinner. And then there's something special for dessert. And that's just cause like, that's how I like special to drink for dessert. Yeah. Yeah. I want to I want to ask about that because I was thinking that's what I want. I want like yeah. a distinct dessert post yeah. wine thing. And so what is something that you There's, what are you drinking? Um, I don't know the answer that meal? to that yet. Actually, <gasps> I don't know my answer. I have not yet decided um, in years past. It has been something like um, an Amaro or an eau de vie, like a digestif, kind of boozy. And so you'd only want like a little bit, but it does mm-hmm. genuinely help. Like it does really actually yeah. make your stomach feel a little more settled before you have dessert. It could be dessert wine. There's, mm-hmm. you know, that obvious answer of like a Madeira or a right. port would be delicious. A sherry, there, those would all be yes. super good. Um, bub- There's no wrong answer. No, there isn't. <laughs> like a sweeter style of bubbly, like a demi-sec would be really fun. You know, like that kind of thing. So there are lots of options. Yeah. I love that. Yes. I just think often, I think we have blinders on when we think about wine, but there's all these other similar creatures that are so good. And like, especially if you're invited to a party, like a Thanksgiving or a meal, if you bring that post meal special drink, like that'll make you the favorite. Yeah. That'll totally win you points. A memorable win. It's time now for our nightcap. Speaking of nightcap. To wrap up. What's our question, Andy? What's the question on the table to wrap up? I want to know if you have any favorite Thanksgiving media. It could be a movie, TV show, book, anything that has to do with Thanksgiving, because I think Thanksgiving is often neglected in that realm. So I'm going to answer this question, but Andy was very excited to talk about this, and so I do not want to scoop his movie, because I don't know what his movie is. (laughs) I would be amazed if you picked my movie. So I'm just going to let you go first, and then I'll answer. Okay, I have to change. Well, no. So my movie is an indie film pick that came out in 2015. It is a drama comedy. It's only an hour and 23 minutes, and it is called Kreisha. K-R-I-S-H-A. And Kreisha is the name of the woman in the movie who plays this mother who was kind of an absentee mother showing up for a family Thanksgiving where her kid is at. And there's there's a lot. It's just kind of one of those like fly on the wall at a dysfunctional family Thanksgiving. And I love those movies so much. Like Rachel Getting Married is one of my all-time favorite movies. And it gives me that kind of energy. Like just, I mean, it's pa- I mean, painful to watch maybe depending on how your own identities and experiences and family match up to what's happening on screen. But just a beautifully crafted film and it is a th- it's about and it's on Thanksgiving. It takes place on Thanksgiving. There is a turkey. There it, it it's such a good Thanksgiving film. Like 
not many people. I don't think it's a very well-known movie, mm-hmm. um, but it is like through and through a Thanksgiving movie that brings just family dysfunction to the fore, but it is funny and very emotional and does all the things for me. Love it. And so that is my real that. pick. But the other pick we will throw out there since people need to see it if they haven't is Home for the Holidays because that is Holly Hunter and Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, and Steve Gutenberg because Axel loves Steve Gutenberg. I need to throw that out there. <laughs> but a, f- a more f- just like, I mean, also con- comedy drama, but a more well-known older from the 80s, right? Uh, no. 95, yeah, LOL. Say, Claire, 1995, Claire not the 80s. Yeah, no. yeah. Um, oh, yeah, and Claire Danes? She's in it yes. for like a hot second. She stays home. She's in yes. high school, but she gets to stay home and hang out with her boyfriend. I was like, there's no mother ever who would say that. I, yes. What yes. is that? But just another legit Thanksgiving movie. So, Molly, I, I, those are the only Thanksgiving movies I think I really know. Well, so, as Andy was me. describing it before he named it, I was like, oh, we're going to say the same thing. And then you said 2015, and I was like, no. Uh, Pieces of April with Katie Holm. I don't know. Okay. So small indie movie from, I don't know, the 2000s probably. 2003. Okay. Yeah. Early 2000s. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I did not know Katie Holmes looked like this. Yeah. So she is young and on her own in New York City and her family is going to come for Thanksgiving and her mother is played by Patricia Clarkson, who is just like the most amazing person ever in this movie. <gasps> I love her. And... Uh, the April is the main character's name. And like Andy was describing, it is like an awkward family Thanksgiving. She, she's, uh, she has an interracial relationship and she has to deal with like, you know, introducing her black boyfriend to her pretty stodgy white parents. And, um, I love it. I haven't seen it in years, but in terms of like awkward family drama, dramedy, it's great. Amazing. I like that we're on the same page with our drama comedies for the holidays because that's appropriate. The holidays are never just a comedy. No. (laughs) Right? No, not at all. We're having the most family we've had ever at Thanksgiving. And that tops out with like four family members. (laughs) And uh, I'm really excited. I'm really excited. Connor's brother hasn't joined us for Thanksgiving since I think the first one ever that I made. Um, so he and his girlfriend are coming from California and they're expecting their first child and we're, it's like so exciting. So that's great. I'll be with my immediate family. Um, how did he bury the lead on that one? (laughs) It is what it is. That's the tradition we do. We, we try to have Thanksgiving together and it's still indeterminate who's doing the, all the cooking or what exactly. Hopefully I'll be doing a lot of cooking, but I, I think it was two years ago when I, during the pandemic. So it was just I, me and my partner, I did all of this Thanksgiving cooking and I was miserable. I was so upset by like dinner time. I was like, why the F does anyone cook this much in one day? He did say that to me <laughs> and I was like, cause it brings me the most joy and it gets me through the rest of the year. No, <laughs> is it not? I look forward to it, but I know I'm like, it's a work. I mean, it is labor. Let's t- be yeah. real. Thank the people who cook your meals, people. Yeah, thank, thank me. Them. Thank me. No, just thank me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And thank the people who brought the wine. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the oh, good conversationalists. Be, thank everybody. Just, you know. Yes. Just, be thankful. Just be thankful. Yes. I think that's a perfect note to end on, Andy. Yes, that is. All right. Wow. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Chin chin. Chin chin. The Table Wine Podcast is brought to you by me, Andy Stoiber, and Molly Moran. Special thanks to Craig Ely for his production consultation. 
If you're enjoying what we're doing here and want to support us, you can do so at tablewinemadison.com slash podcast. And as always, please review, rate, like, subscribe, and share. Thanks for listening. Hope you tune in again soon.